Hey friends, before we start the show, I want to invite you to check out my brand new free training all about how you can start your own freelance business from home. In this completely free one hour training, I am going to share with you exactly how I was able to leave my full-time teaching job and replace my income by freelancing and how you can do the same thing too. We're going to talk about how you can find skills that you already have and what services you can offer, as well as what you need to actually get started today. So you can go check out my brand new free training. It's my gift to you at aubreymalik.com forward slash free training. That's aubreymalik.com forward slash free training. And we will link that up in the show notes for you. All right, now let's go ahead and dive on into the show. Hey friends, and welcome back to the show. You are in for a treat today with our guest interview with Allie Williams, where we are going to be diving deep into budget and finance and going debt-free, how to even start that process, especially when you feel like, my income is irregular or some months are higher than other months as a freelancer and how can I budget and plan and start to save and start to pay down debt if I don't know know, what one month from the next is going to look like. And I loved this conversation that I had with Allie. I feel like we could have gone on and on and on. And actually, after we stopped recording, we stayed on the call for probably about 30 more minutes talking about all different kinds of finance stuff. If you've been around for a while, you know, finance is not my thing. I try to learn. I try to be open to it, but I also have adjusted to the fact that I am not the expert in this. And that's why I love bringing people like Allie on to talk about all these things. And I told her, I always love getting these interviews too, because I know it's going to help you, but really it's going to help me too. So I was along for the journey. I was taking notes. I know this is going to be an episode that you come back to and listen again. So without further ado, let's dive onto the show. Let's go meet Allie and learn all of what she has to offer all about money. Welcome to the Freelancer to CEO podcast. This is the podcast for overwhelmed freelancers who are ready to simplify and scale their business so they can earn more and stress less. I'm your host, Aubrey Malik, and I'm a former elementary teacher who launched my own freelancing business, and now I want to share all my secrets with you. Each week, I'll be sharing business strategy, systems, and tactical tips that you can take into your business today so you can finally step into that CEO role you desire. Let's dive on into the show. All right. I am so excited to welcome Allie to the show today. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited about this conversation. Yeah. All right. So I want to dive in, give my audience a little bit of a chance to get to know you, give us your background and how your business journey has evolved. Yeah. So I'm Allie Williams. My company is financially focused, financially spelled like A-L-L-I at the end, like my name. Um, I started actually as a blog in 2017 and was just sharing like my journey to paying off debt and different things. And people were like, how are you doing? (laughs) So it kind of like naturally evolved into a business. Um, then, you know, coaching and all the different programs I've created. So I've been doing this for a while and my husband and I have paid off $154,000 of debt and I've helped people pay off more or less all the things. My goal is to help people just create that realistic financial plan they can actually stick to without cutting everything. That's a lot of the advice out there is, you know, you have to deprive yourself and all that. So yeah, that's kind of how it started where I'm, what I'm doing now. And uh, now I live in South Carolina on a 25 acre farm with my two kids and my husband. So a lot's changed over the years, but 
Yeah. So did you, when you started this blog, were you doing something in the like financial field or was it just like, this is out of college, like this is what you started? So it started just as like a side. I do have my MBA in finance, which happened after like the blog existed. Um, So like I have the educational finance background, but I really just started because when I graduated, I was just like, why is life so expensive? (laughs) And like, why is all the advice just like old men telling me that I have to like deprive myself? And like, you know, I was 21 years old and they were like, you know, if you have debt, you shouldn't get takeout or you can't travel. And I was like, this sounds so terrible. (laughs) Like, there's no way this is going to work. So I just kind of started to share what I was doing to pay off debt and kind of what I was doing to save money as a 21 year old or 22. And then you know, I just was kind of sharing my journey to debt freedom and money management. And then from there, people were like, can you help me do that too? And then, you know, it kind of evolved into private coaching. And then with life being hectic with kids and different things, it kind of turned into like my signature group program, which I run all the time. And then from there to like some, you know, mini courses. So it's evolved. But yeah, it just kind of started as like me sharing my personal journey when I was trying to figure out blogging. (laughs) And then, um, from there, I did get like the formal education for it. Yeah. So let's talk about when did you start? When did you start the blog? And I'm assuming that was in conjunction with you starting the journey to debt free. I just want to like create this timeline here. Yeah. So I started the blog in 2017. I graduated college in 2013. Um, so the process started a little earlier um, before the blog of me like like, you know, I graduated college, bought a new car, because to me, that was like, you know, the adult thing, <laughs> the adult thing to do. Thankfully, I didn't have expensive taste in cars. And I bought um, a Hyundai Tucson, but it was still brand new in 2013. So my car payment was like $415, which for a 21 year old who, you know, doesn't have too much money, I was like, Oh, my gosh, like, how do people live? You know, like, how do people afford things? And so I was like, I'm not trying to pay this forever. So then I thought, okay, well, I'll try to you know, pay this off sooner, but I still wanted to travel and do things with friends. But I also was like, I don't want to work till I'm 70. So I was trying to find the balance between like, how do I save money? How do I pay off stuff? And how do I still like be a 21, 22, 23 year old and like live my life where I'm not just like, you know, sitting at home eating ramen for the next six years to try to save. So that's kind of how it started. I became debt free as an individual at 25. Um, but then when I, I married into $154,000 of debt. So I was not debt-free when I met my husband, but I was debt-free when we got married and then I went right back into debt. So that was fun. <laughs> I'm, I was the, per, I'm the person in that marriage. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I felt so bad for my husband. Um, no. Because here's the other thing too. I don't think truly they prepare you. Like I'm just signing these loans of like to get student loans. And I'm like, sure, like I got to go to college. Like I don't have any money to pay for it. And, um, you know, it was really interesting. So my mom went after she had us, she went back to school to pharmacy school to become a pharmacist. But by the time that like we were all getting ready to graduate, like she had only been making that income um, for like five, maybe five or six years. And, you know, like they're just basing that on what they're seeing on paper. And it's like, they don't, they're not getting the full picture of like, she put herself through college, like to have a better life for us. And like, you know, and and to no fault of their own, but like, and I also was like, I don't want to ask my parents to like, try to do this for me. So I'm just going to take out these student loans. And then I get to the end and I'm like, you know, 
sure, every year, like, let's just take out an extra $2,000 for books or whatever expenses. And then I get to the end and, you know, after I get through all the school and I'm looking at, okay, what is like my total of what I'm going to have to do? It's, it was insane. And I just felt like I'm starting my life. And then like, I, I mean, I met my husband in college. So like we, you know, shortly after I graduated, we got married and I'm like, I'm basically starting our life with one foot in the ground, feeling like I'm never going to be able to dig myself out of that hole. And I feel like a lot of people are, are in that place too. Would you say that that's what you see a lot of too? Yeah. Like, I feel like I get messages all the time where they're either like me in the relationship or my husband, like either you're the one, you know, like someone, I mean, obviously some people have both, like they both have similar amounts and they come in, but I get messages all the time. Like, thank you for sharing or whatever. Cause like I'm your husband or I'm you. And it is difficult. You know, it, those conversations, like I was the crazy person who talked about money on like our third date because I already like kind of knew what I wanted to do. Or at least for me, it was important to see if we could get on the same page. Cause to me, that's way more important than the amount of debt. Cause like debt can get paid off. Like it will get paid off. That's not a problem. It's annoying, but the bigger problem is like, if you don't have similar money habits or your partner is still like maxing out credit cards, doesn't care, like, you know, has like major spending problems, that's things you really need to, you know, tackle before worrying about like, can we pay off debt? Cause paying off part is, you know, quote unquote easy, but like the habits are what's hard. So we talked about it early. He thought he had around like a hundred thousand dollars of debt. That's what he told me, like our whole relationship. And it wasn't that he was lying. He just truly never looked like his mind was just like, I'll just pay the minimums and live my, you know, like he didn't think it was possible to pay off that significant amount. So he was just like, kind of accepted the fact that like he would just have to pay on it for ever (laughs) and yeah and so when we like got engaged and started really totaling things up because you know when we were preparing for marriage it was like all right we need to like get all our true numbers written out then we realized it was like 154 and he was just as shocked as I was because he like you know some of his student loans went up because of how they're set up with interest you know like if you only pay the minimums depending on some of his were income-based and so with income-based you might not even pay the full amount of interest you owe. So then they're going up and he didn't even, you know, realize that. So some were actually more than what he, you know, when he took them out. So like I said, it ended up 154 and like, he was just as shocked as I was. And then I was like, you know, I gave myself kind of like a day to be upset about it. And then I was like, I can sit here and sulk, but that doesn't pay off our debt. You know, (laughs) it doesn't, no one's going to save us from this. So we're going to like create a plan. And then, you know, from there we did create a plan to still, you know, pay off debt while still saving and investing. And I'm a big college football person. So still getting season football tickets was like my non-negotiable, like, I don't care. Um, And, you know, something I teach too is like paying off debt's important, but you have to find that balance between paying off debt and still like saving and living, or you're going to get fully burned out. And I see that all the time where people go, like all in, like put every penny to debt. And then within like five months, they do the opposite. And then they like splurge on things because it's hard, especially with massive amounts of debt. That's going to take years. Like you can't just do nothing for, you know, three years. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So was it, did you feel like it, having those conversations with your husband, it was easy, easier to get on the same page? Like, was he on board with that to like wanting to do that? Cause like, I agree with you. It probably, depending on like what you're, what, what you're even 
it's twofold what you're bringing into the relationship or to the marriage as far as debt. And then also like what you're bringing in as far as habits. Like if you have somebody who's just like you, like not used to budgeting or not, like they don't look at the things, they just swipe the card. And then you have somebody who is like super conscious of that trying to get on the same page would be really hard. Yeah. So I like, as you, if you couldn't tell, I'm very like spreadsheet oriented. Like that's my brain. I'm very type A, like very organized. And then my husband's very like, as long as bills are paid, you know, like we're good. Mm -hmm. And so our first like quote unquote budget meeting, I came with like a binder and all this. And he was like, no, 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 no. Like I'm not going to sit here. And it took some time to kind of figure out what works for us because, you know, I love spreadsheets and he does not love spreadsheets. And so me trying to force him to love spreadsheets is just not going to work. You know, it's not if we're going to fight. So, you know, for now, for what we've kind of figured out for ourselves is we just keep it like conversational. I manage the day to day. I pay our bills. I make saving transfers. I was the one like, you know, actually like paying off debt and tracking everything. And then I would just like update him and be like, hey, we've saved a thousand dollars this week or, oh, we paid off one student loan. And he'd be like, oh, cool. You know, like I just kind of gave him the summary and that's all he wanted to know. Like he didn't care to like see exactly, you know, that's just not how his brain works. It, he didn't want, you know, it causes arguments whenever I tried to be like, look at this and like, let's sit down for 30 minutes. And so we kept a conversational, we give each other or like we each have kind of like individual spending money. Pretty much we each get an allowance each month. And that is our like no questions asked money. We have like everything combined except for separate checking accounts for our like allowance. And mm -hmm. I transfer money that's budgeted into each of our accounts each month. And that's our like, I don't know what he spends it on. I truly don't care. It kind of helps us like not have to check in for like five, ten dollar expense, you know, be like, can I get the or whatever. Um, but everything's combined. That's kind of helped us stay on track. And he knows the same as me is like if there's something he wants that's bigger, we just have to have the discussion. It's not saying you can't get it. It's just, it might not be that we can fit it into the budget this month. Like it might be next month. So he knows, I mean, which took some time is to give me as much notice as possible because <laughs> I'm not going to say no, but I just need to plan. So mm -hmm. if it's something that's like $500, you can't come to me and be like, I need $500 tomorrow, you know, because you'd be like, everything's set, <laughs> like, you know, you can't, for things that aren't like um, emergency, you know? Mm -hmm. So if there is something you want, just give me time and I'll make it work. So I think just keeping money conversational is so important. I mean, we talk about like everything with our partner these days, you know, work drama or your friends or like something you saw on social media. Like we talk about, I mean, everything. And, but yet like money is like the one thing where people are still like, Oh, like can't mention how much you're saving mm -hmm. or how much debt you have, or that's like such a, you know, it's still such a taboo topic. Yeah. No. And it's, I, when you were talking about that, it's, I was like envisioning, it's almost like love languages, but based around money, like understanding, like, this is how we like to actually give the love or whatever. And it's like, but we have to understand, like, that's not maybe how our husband or spouse likes it. Um, so just like understanding that and like coming, like being able to say like, okay, like, I like to do it this way, but I know that I can still get my point across if I, if I approach it this way and he's going to be more receptive of it. So I love that you shared that too. Um, and then the other thing that you were mentioning that I really want to like dive into if you're open to it is really like talking about those first couple steps of like getting towards becoming debt-free, especially for a lot of my listeners who they're freelancers, you know, 
um, they're hopefully, you know, it's not just a hobby. Hopefully they have a business that's bringing them in income. Um, but for them, sometimes it can be months where things are great. And then it might be, you know, more of the summer months, like we're, we're kind of coming out of the summer, but I usually tell a lot of my listeners like prepare for summer. Things are going to be a little bit slower. Um, businesses are, are taking breaks. They're going on vacation with their family. Like they're slowing down. They're not ramping up. Um, so kind of preparing for that too. So with that irregular, um, irregular income, how can we, start to like plan for that as opposed to like when we know like, okay, every two weeks this paycheck's coming in and this is what we're going to have. And this is what we know we can budget for. Right. So first step, no matter if you have regular income or not is to do a money audit. And like, I always tell people like, I'm not going to lie. This is truly the worst step and you're not going to enjoy it, <laughs> but we can't do anything else until that's done. So with that, I mean, you have to literally track your expenses for a month. I always say choose like an average month, aka don't choose like December when everyone's spending more for the holidays. Or like if you know August is really busy for you, like kind of just choose your average month, track everything. Because I see it pretty much all the time is like you think those like $10, $20 Amazon purchases or coffee or takeout, you're like, oh, I'm not spending that much. And then you total up for the month and it's like $400. And it's like you do have money to do things with. It's just right now it's going to <laughs> random things. So you need to know where every dollar is going. You need to take time and total up your debt, especially um, student loans are coming back now, like if you have federal student loans, so that payment's going to be due soon. So you need to know exactly how much debt you have, what type of debt, interest rate, minimum payment. And then same thing, if you do have savings, just kind of noting like how much you have saved. If you have like a ton of savings accounts, what's in each account? Is it for something specific? Just kind of first get your money audit done. And then from there, especially with regular income, you want to work on an emergency fund. And this is for, honestly, you should have one for your personal life and for your business, some kind of just like emergency savings. You know, I know with business, there's always investments you want to make and things you want to do. And so having that there, that cushion that if something does come up that you really want to join or something you really want to do, you know, you have at least most of it or something where you can just pay in full or pay for it versus like, you know, putting on a subscription, which is fine, but then like you're banking on hopefully being able to cover that. So it just gives you that extra security that if there's something you need for your business or a software or a code or something, you know, you can pay for it or you have that money. So working on an emergency fund, I always say for personal side, at least one month of expenses. I know that obviously eventually we want more, but if you're trying to like just get started and pay off debt, you want to start with one month and that looks different for each person. Some people choose to do a bare bones one month with just like core expenses, like, you know, not your Netflix or, you know, Spotify or whatever, just like things to get you through the month. And then some people want their cushioned month so that they don't have to change anything, you know, they could still do what they want to do. Um, so then you want to do your one month emergency fund. And even if you just get like a thousand or two in a business savings, you know, putting aside some of your business money that will help you on the business side, just kind of make sure you have that cushion. And then with a regular income, the goal would be to get one month ahead of expenses. That takes time, though. That's not something that you can just, you know, do in a day. But if you do have a really good month, you know, maybe like you said, maybe fall or winter when people are preparing for the new year, you, you know, maybe your income is a lot higher. Instead of spending that extra that you're getting is you kind of put that aside and you get kind of another month of expenses so that, you know, you aren't using August income to pay for August expenses, you know, you're using July income, like you've already have the income there, and then you could pay for a month so that if there is a month that's lower income, 
you already, you know, you're not worried about paying your current expenses because you've already, you know, saved that money. You already have it paid. So that just kind of gives you breathing room to make up lost income or, you know, find a new client or, you know, try to figure out in the slower months what to do. Those are kind of like the three things that you need to do. Some take obviously longer than others, but trying to get ahead, have an emergency fund, and then doing this like whole money audit process is definitely really important. Yeah. How long do you usually see people take, I mean, I, again, like everybody is going to be different, but like roughly to get this emergency fund or for freelancers, independent contractors to kind of get two of those set aside. Um, because it's interesting, you know, looking back on how I left my full-time job, I was just like, I just need to make a thousand dollars. I had a student loan that was a thousand dollars. And I'm like, okay, if, if I just could pay for that, like if, if my income could pay for that, we would be able to make do, we might have to like cut some things out and like stop doing all these like little extra things. But it was really important for us that we didn't want to put our kids in daycare. And then now I say, looking back, like, I wish I would have taken a little bit longer to take that income that I was making, still stay getting my income at my teaching job and just kind of put that aside as a little bit of a nest egg. So I like tell people don't necessarily like sometimes, sometimes it feels like I'm in this situation and like the only way out of it is to like leave right now and to like start without these emergency funds. Um, But there definitely is a smarter way to do it. So is there like a ballpark of this is how long it should take you? Or these are some things that were are are helpful in speeding up the process of building the emergency fund? Yeah. So I think speeding up to your point is probably what the focus will be just because I have people who like have money in different savings accounts, but they like are scared to allocate it to things because it's like a, you know, money past trauma that they have to work through of like hoarding money. So some people have money aside, they just are like, oh, well, I can't keep, you know, they don't want to like call it an emergency savings because for them, it's like they don't want to ever touch that type of thing because it's like a hoarding problem or Mm -hmm. um, some people, it just depends on income. So ways to speed it up, I would say first is to look and you can do this on the personal side and the business side is look at some kind of low hanging fruit, uh, like expenses first. you know, when you do the money audit, you might see that there's like four subscriptions that you're paying for that you never actually use or, you know, that were free trials that no longer are free trials. And now you're paying and, you know, it's $20 or $30 and you don't really think about it. And then when you look at it, you're like, oh my God, I'm paying $30 a month. That could just go straight to an emergency fund. Same thing on the business side. I mean, we have so many systems and software and you know, subscriptions and websites. And your friend might have told you about one, you signed up and then you forgot, you know, like there's so many like things we use that maybe there's things you can just like quickly cut, you know, move on. You can also set a challenge. Like you were saying, you know, your goal is to make a thousand. It's like, maybe you can tell yourself if I can make, find a way to make $200 extra a month. Like I'm going to put that 200 to my emergency fund. And if your emergency fund is a thousand dollars, it's like, you know, you'll get there in a few months or, Maybe you find a way for two months to make an extra 500. So then you have that, you know, in two months where it's not cutting into like your normal income that you would need to live. But it's like, you know, like with freelancing, especially you obviously have ways to increase your income, you know, more than you would a typical nine to five. So there are ways that even if you just go all in for two, three months and try to find a way, you know, to make an extra few hundred dollars that can go straight to your emergency fund. So kind of just depends on if there's ways to increase your income and cut expenses. Those are like the, obviously the quickest ways to 
save more. But I think with freelancing, one of the biggest benefits you get is that you can increase your income. I know it might not be sustainable. You know, maybe you do something special for a few months just to get extra money to save and then you kind of go back to your normal. But I would say, you know, finding ways to even just temporarily increase your income to give yourself that boost where you know anything extra is going straight savings or looking at your expenses or maybe like instead of getting takeout five days a week, if you're currently doing that for a few months, you say, I'm only going to get it twice a week or something, you know, like you temporarily cut some things just to get to that point and then you can always add things back in yeah I'm I'm like so guilty of the oh we'll just do the free trial and then like I think at one point both my husband and I were paying for Hulu like I was looking at and I'm like how did this even happen like we both have this one account's like logged in I think on like an iPad or something and then the other one's on the TV um so I'm definitely guilty of that and I'm constant like that is one thing that I've been like really conscious of because we can do that like there'll be certain shows that we'll want to watch that's only on showtime and it's like well we're gonna you know get showtime for this next couple months while the show is on and then we'll cancel it and then of course it's like you end up paying it for it for a couple other months and a lot of times it's hard because it's like oh you know like that's how they get you it's like oh it's only 15 dollars. it's only this but then when you look i mean we got rid of cable because i'm like we're just I mean, we don't really even watch cable. The only thing we watch cable for is sports. I'm like, but we're paying for all these other streaming devices to get the things that we actually want to watch. And then when we had kids, you know, like to get their shows, I'm like, when you add all those things up, it's like paying for cable anyways, too. So I, that's, that's been one thing where I'm like, I know I need to get the scripts that like, I'm, I'm better on it. I think business side, personal wise, the subscriptions get me all the time. Yeah, it's so easy. It's so easy when it's like, oh, it's $10, it's $15. But like, over the course of a year, I mean, that's a decent amount that could go to something else. Or if you leave it for many years, you know, that's a lot that could have gone to like a savings goal or just like a trip you have, I mean, or anything. So I know a lot of people think like $15 isn't going to make a difference. And yeah, it's not initially going to like, you know, make you a millionaire, obviously, but $15 a month over the course of a year or two or three or five. I mean, that is money that could have been going to something else. So it definitely adds up. Or if you have multiple, I mean, it's a $10 one, 15, 20, and then all of a sudden you're at $50 a month and people will be like, I have no extra money to save or pay off debt. And it's like right there itself is a $50 payment that can go to your credit card or, you know, go to a savings goal. So usually you just have to kind of take some time and like go through it and make those calls, even subscriptions that you want to keep negotiate them. I mean, I do that literally all the time. Like my Sirius XM, I would call them every six months. I had like an alert in my calendar because they give me like a six month promotion. And then every six months I'd call and they'd always say like, oh, this promotion doesn't exist. I'm like, I've been calling you every six months for like four years. Like, I know this exists. Can we just like skip around <laughs> this like dance? And then they would always give it to me. But um, it doesn't hurt to ask, like worst case scenario, you pay what you're currently paying for the subscription. But a lot of times they will give you like, even a 12 month discount or a six month discount or some kind of discount that it doesn't hurt. Like even for the subscriptions you do want to keep. Yeah, for sure. Um, now I really want to get into the debt piece of it. Cause I mean, thinking about $154,000 of debt, like that can feel super overwhelming. And I know for me, it's one of those things where it's like out of sight, out of mind. I don't even like want to think about it. And the only thing for me, you know, my parents are big on, 
on paying off debt and like getting rid of that. And again, like it just feels so lofty to me that I would be like, I'm just going to pay what I need to pay and just keep doing that, like keep in that rhythm. So after we get like, we do the money audit, we get the emergency fund. How do we actually decide what debts we're going to pay off? How do we like, cause to me, my parents always just, you know, they're, they're always like, well, if you get this, but like you make an extra payment a month, it's actually going to cut off X amount. you know, we're getting ready to build a house. And so we're talking about like the mortgage and stuff like that. And they're like, yeah, but you know, like we're, you're going to get the mortgage, you're going to build the house, and then you're going to sell this house. And the amount of money that you make on this house, you can apply right to the mortgage. And then if you double up on your, you know, like that's, that's my only knowledge when it comes to debt free. So I would love to get your advice. Cause to me, that just feels like, I don't, not everything should be fun. I know that I know there's going to be some things that are hard, but that just feels very rigid to me. And I would love to get your advice on how do we do it in a way that doesn't have to feel so constraining? Totally. So personally, like mortgage debt doesn't bother me. I don't view it as like consumer debt. I mean, some people want to pay off their mortgage as quickly as possible and they go just as hard as mortgage debt as they would a credit card. I don't plan on paying off my mortgage early unless somehow I end up with like a lot of extra money from something. I don't know. Um, Maybe eventually I will, but like, it's not in my head as like a goal. Like we have mortgage debt. We, you know, bought this house and it's a lot more than our old house, but it also depends on like interest rate and your own personal goals. I mean, yeah, if you make pretty much people will say too, like if you make biweekly payments to your mortgage, instead of like, if you split it in half and do biweekly instead of monthly, you're technically making like one or two extra payments a year, which will obviously save you, and interest in the end. So there's ways to like pay it off faster. But like for me, if I got a chunk of money from my house, so we just sold a house and um, it wasn't worth a lot. (laughs) Story for another time. But um, we use that and like, we didn't put anything to this house. Um, We, you know, saved some for our kids for their future. We increased our emergency fund. We need to buy a new car. So we're going to buy a car in cash because car interest rates right now are like wild. They're like seven, 8%. That's just crazy for a car. So we kind of did like different things with it. Some went to a trip we're going to have planned. So we kind of like split it up. So none of it went to the mortgage. But um, with debt, I'd say the big thing is like, you know, with your money audit, you have it all listed and then figuring out like kind of what debt payoff method you want to use. There's like two big like schools of thought with it. So you have debt avalanche, which is you're paying it by the highest interest, ignoring the balance. And then there's debt snowball, which is you're looking at the balance, paying the smallest balance, you're ignoring interest. And then I always add a third, which is like, whichever is keeping you up at night. (laughs) Like some people, their car like really bothers them and they just like want their car payment gone. And then for other people, they don't even care about their car. Like it doesn't cause them any anxiety. So you kind of have to weigh what mathematically makes the most sense, but also like what is causing you the most stress. I mean, credit card interest is terrible so if you have credit card debt i always recommend that's what you start with just because the interest rates are like 20 percent or 25 percent, and it's just really hard to get out of credit card debt just because you know you make a payment but it's pretty much all interest so if you have debt i always recommend starting with that and then if you have like private student loans or you know or private loans then you have federal so then you kind of start mapping up from there the order of things And with student loans specifically, I always recommend breaking them down into like the individual loan. So for example, like my husband had some federal, some private with when we were paying off the 154 and it was like 
Nelnet, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, you know, it was like, like individual loans. There was like 15 of them, but it just makes it more manageable with those big amounts to say like, I paid off a $3,000 one or $4,000 one versus like Nelnet's total is 70K or whatever. You're like, oh my gosh, like I pay a $500. That's nothing. But when you are paying off individual loans, it's, you kind of can start to see some progress. And then you, the harder part is finding the balance between how much are you going to allocate to debt? And then also listing out kind of like your one to three ish savings goals. So like while we were paying off debt, we were saving for a house. Um, we needed, knew we would need a house. Well, first we were saving for the rest of our wedding and then we were saving for a house, like our big old kind of change. So we had to still put money towards a house while paying off debt because I knew we needed a certain amount for a down payment and we, it wasn't possible for us to like get a full down payment in like six months or a year. We don't make enough to like save, you know, 70 K in <laughs> six months or whatever. So you have to kind of find that balance, which does take time and trial and error with your budget of like, okay, well, I really want to pay off this debt, but I also need to save. So let's say, you know, after your expenses, you have $500 left to allocate or a thousand, you have to decide, you know, if it's a thousand, do I put 700 to a credit card and 300 to savings goals? Like you kind of have to figure out based on timeline. So there's some math and trial and error with it, but I say pay off debt by interest rate because mathematically it makes the most sense. And that's how my brain works. But some people like to pay it off by, you know, smallest balance because they need those quick wins. It, mm-hmm. As long as you're doing something that's all that really matters yeah I when you were talking I was trying to think like at first when you said like what keeps me up at night it's student loans but I, I and I don't know if this is a smart way to do it but I I had I have federal loans and then I also had private loans my private loan is like my big one that's like the one that like literally keeps me up at night and I consolidated it all into so I did have all these like little ones and I consolidated it all into one to get a lower interest rate but that's, that's why I feel like it to me feels so heavy because all I see is the big number. Like I don't see all those little, you know, smaller increments, which I could, I could see how that would combine the best of both worlds, right? Like I, if I saw the smaller increments, I'd be able to say, okay, like I'm going to tackle this one, but it is contributing to the overall one that gives me the most grief. So um, yeah, that is like, I, I agree with you. Like to me, especially for this house that we're building, I'm like, we're going to be in this house forever. Like we are building it to be in it forever. We're putting like a master on the first floor. Like we will grow old and be here um, forever. So like to me, paying that off right away doesn't make sense to me. My car doesn't make sense to me. It's like the student loan, the thing that I feel like is a chain around my ankle, just like tying me down. I'm like, that keeps me up at night. Yeah. With the, if you have, and I say this all the time with people who have like either you know one big loan and to your point like it is hard you're like oh if I pay $500 on 50k like that's nothing is like even just on a spreadsheet or on a piece of paper like split it into like fifths or eighths and like set the initial goal like if it's 50k for example like even splitting it into like 10 you know into like $5,000 increments of like setting kind of mini goals like okay my goal is to pay off $5,000 and track just the five like don't track the full amount and say like, okay, my goal is to pay off $5,000 by December or June or whatever it is. And then like just track that 5k and then celebrate. I always say like setting those mini, you know, milestone rewards, like celebrate with like a date night or take out, like obviously nothing extravagant, but like, you know, just giving yourself that win and then focus on the next five. And then 
you realize like, oh, I paid off 10,000, you know, and then it starts to click of like, I am making a dent in this big loan, but it's hard when like, it's 50k and you're making a $500 payment or $200. You're like, Oh my God, this is like literally pointless. But then when you when you're trying to pay off $5,000, and you're making a $500 payment, you're like, Oh, you know, like that, that you can like see the like the first number changed, right? You know, and then it's like, the numbers are changing. And it's more manageable. Like, I would say whenever you can get from like a five figure number to a four figure number, it's such a mental win, like even 10 to nine, like, yeah, you, you know, maybe you just got it from 10,000 to 900, I mean, $9,900, but like, it's just a mental win to see it go from five figures to four. And then, you know, so it's just sometimes breaking it up and getting creative with like the visualization of it helps because you need those like mental wins. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think every like $10,000 that I get down, because that usually with like in a year that I usually get in that range, I I do feel that sense of like, okay, it's like it is going somewhere. We are getting somewhere with this. It's just gonna it's gonna take a while, which which is again a, a big reason. And I love you that you brought this up too in the beginning, a big reason why I wanted to look into doing something outside of because I was an elementary teacher like I could see the entire pay scale for the rest of my career like I knew you know even if I've been teaching here for 30 years like this is the most that I'm making and when you are trying to you know be able to like tackle this stuff a little bit faster you don't want to just do the minimum it can feel like there's no way like there's just no way to be able to do those things and save for retirement so that's why I really looked into freelancing Number one, for the flexibility, I wanted to be at home with my kids. But number two, I wanted to, if I was doing good in my job, like I wanted to be able to give myself a raise, like nobody was going to do do that for me. Like it didn't matter how great my kids scored on their tests or how many, um, you know, four star observations I got, like, they're like, great, you know, if you want to make an extra $500, like you run this club, like that's how it worked. Um so that's why I do, I, I, I don't feel as pessimistic as I did in the beginning because I'll tell my husband that too. He's more, I'm more optimistic. He's more realistic. You know, when I'm like, oh, I want to, you know, do this or plan for this or save for this. He's like, okay. And I, in my mind, I have that mindset of, well, I can just run this workshop or I can just do this thing. I can, you know, offer this, you know, one time run at one time. And that's going to be a little bump. So that does give, it can, you can look at it from the sense, like we were talking earlier of it's irregular money. One month, it might be high. One month, it might be low. But you also can take back control of that and say, I have the I have the power to be able to say, like, if I need this month to be higher because we need to do, you know, fix the car or whatever it may be, I have control of that. I can, I can do that for myself where in a traditional job, that might not be the option without taking on like a ton more work. And again, still somebody else is in control of what that bump might be for you. Yeah. And with a regular income, like if you can do your normal budget off of like an average. That's why I always say like, don't budget obviously off your highest month. You know, like if you, if you sometimes make 10 K and sometimes you make 5 K, like you kind of want to bet, you know, budget on like around 7,000 or so, you know, or whatever, or if it's 5 K and 2 K, you want to budget at like 3000 so that the months that are higher, you're saving some of that, or maybe you're spending a little bit for something you need, but like you're saving some for the months that are lower so that, you don't have this like up and down budget all the time where you're having to like cut things and add things and cut things because it's like a roller coaster. So you kind of want to like choose your average and budget off that. And then you do need more like we talked about for something or you want to speed up debt payoff or I mean, even when I started my debt payoff as a individual before my business, I did every 
I mean, I tried every side hustle, you know, like I was walking dogs, I was tutoring, like I was like, I'll do whatever I have to do to get extra money. Cause like, that's how like all in I was on. I did a side hustle one. My husband's a big Duke fan. I'm a big South Carolina fan for college. And so I, his bucket list was like the Duke North Carolina basketball game, which those tickets are, mm, we won't even talk about like thousands of dollars. And it's like bucket list game. And I was like, if I can make enough side hustle where I'm not touching my, you know, income, like, then I'll do it. Like if I can get enough. So I did, that's how I got his tickets. So it just, sometimes you have to like, you know, especially like we talk about with freelancing, you do have those chances. It's set a goal. Like you said, run something one time or do some kind of like mini thing that maybe you don't want to do it forever, but it will give you that boost and do it for whatever goal, you know, what amount you kind of want or need and you know, you know, around when you need it by. So you can do those like bumps and things to get what you need to get. Yeah. And I'm all about working backwards too, where it's like, okay, if this is the amount that I need to get, this is how many I need. Then like, this is the amount that I'm going to sell it for. Like giving yourself like a realistic picture of like, okay, in order to be able to get that, I need to, you know, be able to sell this many thing or get, you know, um, find these many clients or whatever. So like getting realistic with it can often, cause sometimes it can just feel so arbitrary where it's like, it doesn't even make sense how I'm going to actually make this happen when you actually like look at a number, say, okay, this is the big number, break it down, keep breaking it down. It can feel a little bit more tangible for you too. Um, and I also love that you have a similar mindset to me of like, if you want something to happen, it's, you have to put in the, in the work. I like to tell people that of all the things that I've tried, because I've, I was in a similar situation. I was like, I'm going to do whatever I can to like make money from home. Like I knew I needed to make an income to be able to convince my husband that this was actually something that we could do where I didn't have to work to put my kids in daycare. Um, so like I tried everything and I do tell people of all the things that I tried, this was the like lowest barrier to entry. It was the easiest to get started, but it doesn't mean that it wasn't hard work. And I just had to decide every single day, I'm going to do what it takes to put this in. I think you know, the the way that the internet is moving and the amount of opportunities that there are for people to make money online. Like I just was, I was on this YouTube binge of like watching these people who are YouTubers and like how, you know, they're making this amount of money, not to take away from the amount, you know, amount of money, but some people might look at those options and be like, oh, it's so easy to just like record yourself vlogging and like making all this money, but it does take hard work. And I think some people see all these options and think it should just like, it should happen overnight and I shouldn't have to put in all this hard work or they see somebody at the end result and think like, why am I not there? And it's like, you haven't seen all of the work that they put in. So I think that that no matter like what you're going into, but I think even specifically what we're talking about, like paying off debt, saving things, budgeting for things, like you have to just like say, I'm going to do what it takes in order to make this happen. And that might require some sacrifice that might require you doing things differently than you have before. It might require you cutting things out or trying something new in order to get an income bump. But like having that mindset going into it of like, it's not going to be easy, but like I, you know, things, you know, worth having don't always come easy. Yeah, I totally agree. Especially like you were saying, social media, you see everyone on like lavish vacations, like my business made a hundred K this month. You can do it too. And people are like, well, how do I do that? But then they're not realizing or wanting to do like everything you need to do to start. And they're like, well, I don't want 2000. I want a hundred thousand a month, you know, whatever. It's like, okay, well it takes a lot of work, especially if you're not doing freelancing, for example, full time and you have kids, it's like that requires late nights or early. I mean, even now, especially with kids, like I take a lot of client calls because a lot of my clients are nine to five or have kids. Like I do them at night. Like I had an intensive this week and it was 9 PM and you know, I'll do things at different times. You have to 
put in like you have to be flexible you have to put in the work you have to like do what you have to do like to get to that and same thing with your finances and you know the growing your business will help your finances the two you know go together so if you do want to take those big vacations like i want that for you if you want to go on an all inclusive trip or go on a four month vacation to europe like that's great you can do it but you know you have to make sure your finances are in order you have your savings you are doing things and that does require work on your financial part but also if it, if you're relying on your business income to support your personal life then you need to make that you know making more money a priority mm-hmm. yeah it might require you to do things that are outside of your comfort zone and that's like something i live in live and breathe and die by like when when i'm ups, upset with my business numbers and i'm like oh we should have hit that like really i look back and it, it's like well i know that i could have done more i could have it wasn't if I'm, if I'm giving it my all, like I know the results are going to show for it. So when the results don't show for it, I have nobody to be upset at, but myself. And it's like, okay, now let's, let's talk about what, what went great, what didn't go so great. And let's make a plan so that we actually can bring those goals to life. Cause like you said, we want that for everybody. Everybody does not like, I, I don't want to be chained to my student loans. Like I, I think that was like kind of a turning point for me where it's like, I don't have to live this way. Like I could, and it would suck, but I can choose to do something different that probably is going to require a little bit more work up front. Like staying at a teaching job where I know what I'm making, like, yeah, that was easy, but like it was an uncomfortable easy in the sense of I wasn't going to be able to live the type of life I wanted to live. So this conversation has been so great. I loved it. I feel like I needed this. Um, if you have any like last little pieces of advice for anybody who, um, needs help, like, with budget or just like even just starting that process of thinking of going debt free, like what advice would you give them? Yeah, I would say to remember this is like a marathon. You know, a lot of people want, and we talked about social media, it's like want the debt paid off in six months. And you'll read those stories like, I paid off 100K in two months. And you're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, or it's the same type of thing as like remembering you're on your own journey. Try to like mute outside noise, even friends, family. Like it is your own personal journey. It does take time. Things won't go according to your plan. Things will get messed up along the way, but you just have to keep going. Same thing with budgeting debt payoff is like, just remember this is a process. If you need to re-listen to this episode to like really absorb everything, I have people all the time. It's like, this takes time. It takes time to absorb everything. You might be feeling overwhelmed. So like do this in stages. This is what we talked about is not meant to be done in like an hour or even a week. Like your money audit might take you two weeks because you might have a lot of accounts and it might be really overwhelming. So you don't have to do all of this in a day. I mean, hopefully you take some notes and like write down what you need to do, but don't be overwhelmed where you don't take action. You know, don't mm-hmm. be so it's sitting in fear where you do nothing is just break this up and um, keep going. It, I've worked with people who have 300 or $400,000 of debt and people who have zero. So like I have no fear that and like I know anyone can do this I truly believe that it's just some people's journeys take longer um but if you really want to pay off debt and save and make more money like I know you can do it it's pretty much my biggest takeaway (laughs) yeah it's so it's so true it's so like we want to think of the end in mind and we want to just like click our heels together and be like instantly picked up and and put there and I think that's why a lot of people will stop along the journey again no matter like what journey whether it's you know money journey, whether it's a business journey, whether it's a weight loss journey, it's because that angle seems so far off and it seems so unattainable. And like you were saying too, even with that big student loan, like break it, like put smaller chunks that you can like 
slowly get those small wins because over time, those small wins will compound and you'll start to build that momentum and it'll start to feel easier. And you'll start to realize like, oh, I am actually like moving the needle forward towards that big goal. Um, as opposed to thinking like, oh my gosh, I have to jump all the way from here to this other side to get there. So I, I love it. Thank you so, so much for sharing everything with me today, with my audience today. I know they're going to love this episode. Um, we'll link everything up in the show notes for you, but please tell my listeners where they can come connect with you, learn more about you and what you offer. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram way too much probably. So that's like the best social media platform. Um, it's financially focused. I also have a website. Like I said, I started as a blog. So I do have blog posts. Um, I try to post a new one like every week. So there's a ton of free information on blog posts. I have a free foundations course. If you're like, I don't really know where to start, like start there. It's an hour long, but it's split into like two to three minute videos because attention span wise, I know no one wants to sit and listen to money um, in a course format for an hour. Plus I have it in like an audio podcast version. And then there's an application to work with me and all that fun stuff on Instagram and my website. But if you have any questions or just like, hey, Allie, what are your thoughts on this or anything, feel free to DM me on Instagram. Like I said, I'm on Instagram, probably. My phone tells me I'm on it too much when I get those like weekly alerts, you know, and it's like, you're yeah. you spent this many hours. I'm like, oh gosh, that's not good. But Yeah. When threads <laughs> launched, I was like, oh gosh, this is not going to do well for my screen time. It's going to be like, you were on this X amount more hours than last week. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Instagram's my downfall, but it's good. I get to, that's my easiest way to connect and talk to people. Um, but yeah, it's like, oh, alert me. Like you're up 14% or something. And you're like, oh gosh. <laughs> Not <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you again so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. I appreciate you sharing it so much with us today. I think that there's so many good things to take away from this message. Um, so I want to thank you again for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Like I said, I could talk about money all day. So hopefully everyone takes something away from this and starts taking action. That's, that's always my goal. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Thank you for choosing to spend some time with me today. I appreciate you so much. If you haven't yet, I would love it if you would leave me a review on iTunes and share this episode in your Instagram stories and tag me. By sharing and reviewing, you can help spread the message so we can reach more entrepreneurs who are ready to scale their business to new heights. I will see you in the next episode.